Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Braden Jennings, along with my co-host, John Payment, and welcome to Contemporary Insanity, a show that highlights and discusses current events from around the globe, the United States, our Commonwealth of Kentucky, and our local news right here in Owensboro. John, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. Let's jump right into our first uh, story with the, the gubernatorial election in Kentucky. It's between the incumbent, Andy Brashear, who is a Democrat, and Republican Attorney General Daniel Cameron. Recently had a debate where they went off on topics about education, abortion, and uh, the economy. Daniel Cameron not looking too hot in this race, is he, John? No, the latest polls have Bashir at 47, Cameron at 45. Ooh. A lot closer than I thought. I, my opinion, I thought Andy Bashir was going to blow this guy out of the water. Well, so what was your opinion on the debate? I think it happened, what, two weeks ago now? Yeah, two weeks ago the debate happened. Um, they both look like strong candidates. Uh, Brashear's hoping that uh, Kentuckians see that he has accomplishments so far, and Daniel Cameron is hoping to uh, push on Democratic failures in the national uh, in the nation to try to push him over the top. But because Andy Brashear is a moderate Democrat on most things, he's uh, gone along with Kentucky's legislator and made some made some good things happen for Kentucky. I don't know. I well, he's done a lot of work in the private business sector. Even though during the pandemic he shut down a lot of small private businesses, that you know his his policy leaned with kind of the far left. To be honest, yeah, during I mean, the pandemic he had extremely far left policy in regards to how they handled COVID in yeah. the state, during, which was, sorry. During the pandemic, he did shut down a lot, but since then, he's gone along with the legislature and done a lot of things for small businesses in Kentucky. One of the biggest differences they had was on taxes. Daniel Cameron said he wouldn't allow local areas to have their own tax, and Brashear said he would. He'd work with the legislature to make that happen. And for Owensboro, if Owensboro could have its own tourism tax, as they've called it, uh, a local income tax and local sales tax, it'd be great for places like Owensboro who aren't getting as much help from the state government. Daniel Cameron hates taxes, which I like that he hates taxes, but it's not always not oh, always no. great for uh, local communities. That was a sticking point during the debate. Another sticking point during the debate was abortion. Daniel Cameron says Andy Brashear is super uh, crazy about abortion when as far as I've seen in his policies, he's pushed moderate Democrat abortion policy. Uh, Andy Brashear, his campaign ads show Cameron as wanting no, no, no allowances for abortions for any means. When Daniel Cameron has openly said he's open to allow rape and incest exceptions. Well, Cameron did say that he was allowed, he would allow exceptions, but he said it was limited to case by case. Which is interesting how you justify that in a legal sense. I mean, who's to say, you know, how do they justify, but case by case, you know, what's allowed? Well, I think it'd be down to the judge if it got brought to court. Yeah. That's interesting, though, in cities like Louisville and Lexington, where, I mean, their abortion, their opinion on abortion is much different than Daniel Cameron. My honest opinion, I don't think Cameron's going to win this. Oh, no, no way. I don't, I don't think, there's no chance. I mean... You know, going back to the abortion, if you're from Kentucky, I don't know if he's, I'm sure it's not a national ad, but if you're from Kentucky and you're on YouTube or any social media platform, you've seen that advertisement 
with that young girl. Um, and it's, it's pretty starking. I mean, you know, that's the point of the ad was to, you know, evoke egos and emotion, but I, mean, I don't know. It, it really painted a bad picture for Cameron. He, there was really not much of a response for that. Yeah, I don't think you can response when someone's showing a little girl on TV lying about you. That's yeah, that's politics. But um, I mean, look at the polls, people. I don't. I don't think he has a chance. No. Um, going back to the actual debate that happened a few weeks ago, Daniel Cameron seemed kind of frustrated during that debate. Well, yeah, he kept up. He kept bringing up the same talking points over and over. He didn't push anywhere. Because Andy Bashir's Andy Bashir's strong at debating. He's good on TV. People like him. He's a likable person. Cameron's not used to being on TV. No, he's used to sitting in his lawyer office doing lawyer things. What do you think, or I guess, how do you think he did as Attorney General of Kentucky? Uh, I think he's been doing a good job so far. We've got okay crime rates. Uh, he's brought good uh, good lawsuits against the federal government when they've encroached on us. John loves the federal government, isn't that right? Oh yeah, so much. The federal government's great. <laughs> um, well, as Attorney General, one of his big uh, points was the um, wasn't it the Internal Revenue Bill, or was it the reducing the income tax down to I think net zero? That's the goal. At yeah, least. his goal is to get rid of the income tax. Yeah, but Bashir was actually pro that as well. Uh, during the debate, he was very against it. So really, in the past, yeah, if he's a, if he's been for getting rid of it in the past, it's good. But during the debate, he's saying that'll ruin uh, our economy if we get rid of the income tax. Well, I could be wrong, but I it was my assumption that that was his whole thing was trying to build back the economy. I, his goal is to bring you know large corporations to Kentucky. And not having an income tax, you know, drives that. So it's kind of, it's interesting to me that he's against it. But then again, he also wants to bring corporations to Kentucky, which they kind of headbutt each other, in my opinion. Well, his defense of the income tax was infrastructure programs, like uh, improving the highways. If you've driven anywhere in Kentucky in the past two years, you've seen highway construction. They're making them bigger. They're trying to get four-lane highways from uh, north to south. Um, He also talked about education. Another sticking point is uh, voucher programs in schools. That would get rid of funding for education, and also he says removing income tax would get rid of funding for education. Yeah, he's a big opponent of the school choice, right? Yes, Bashir. Very, very much so. Yeah, that's. Um, I got to disagree with him on that one. I think it's. Yes. I think school choice is extremely important. Yeah, our, our schools are failing and uh, anything else is better than what we've got right no, now. We are stupid. That is correct. Said that uh, only 50% of Kentuckians read at grade level, only 20% do science at grade level. And I think he was like at 40% for math at grade level. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty awful. Um, I personally can't read either, so I blame the <laughs> public education system. No. Um so, I guess moving on from, I guess, state news, we'll see what happens there on what, the elections, what, November 7th? November 7th. Okay. Go yes. out and vote. Get out and vote. Yes, it's extremely important. Go to the polls. If you're not registered, please register. Um, where can you go and register at? What's it? Is it registertovote.com slash Yeah, just federal? type in register to vote on Google. 
if you're in Kentucky, it'll give you uh, the pop-up. Yep. Um, moving on from state news, let's look at national news. Bootgate, Ronnie DeSantis, Ron Boy, yep, wearing cowboy boots or high heels. We do not know yet. Apparently, Ron DeSantis is wearing high heels. People, internet sleuths have figured this out. They think his boots look too flat to hold feet in them. And looking at the pictures, they do look too flat to hold feet in them. This has gone... Like any other presidential candidate could have gotten rid of this super quickly by just taking their shoes off and standing real quick. DeSantis won't do it. He was on a PBD podcast, uh, which is a conservative podcast centered out of Miami, and they offered him a pair of shoes to put on to prove it wrong, and he wouldn't do it. He said, I can't accept gifts, and shut it down right there. No, he's definitely wearing high heels. There's no debate. How t- He's short, isn't he? How, I mean, how tall is this guy? He has said 5'11". So nobody really knows. No one knows. Okay. And there's pictures of him standing next to people who we do know the height of. He's There's pictures of him standing next to Trump at different points, and he's at different height almost every time. So who knows how tall he is? Doesn't matter. We'll never know. Find out next week on, on our podcast. It doesn't really yeah. matter how tall he is, but it's weird that he's trying to lie about his height. Right. You know, if it came out that he was above six foot, I think he has a real shot at winning the presidential election. Yeah. Uh, that's part that's of how it, much that our matters. culture cares about height is that we're the tallest you know. person usually wins presidential elections. That's is that known. Yeah. It, yeah. The taller person wins most of the time. That's why. Uh, what's his face? Didn't have a chance. Who's a short guy from New York? Oh, Bloomberg. That's why Bloomberg didn't oh. have a chance. <laughs> yeah. It couldn't have been anything he did as uh, what was it, mayor of New York? Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't the soda tax that got rid of him. It was, uh, <laughs> just him being five four or whatever. Yeah, that's too short. Got to be a, at least above five eleven to be in politics. And then polls for Republican primary. Nikki Haley passed him in Iowa. So wow, he's out of second place in Iowa. He's still in second place for national polling, but it's, it's not looking good. Well, there's a fear he might lose Florida to Trump. You think? Do you think? I don't think that's realistic. You don't think so? I mean, it's possible, but he's really popular in Florida. He's done great things for the state. I well, the Disney, uh, the policy at uh, over Disney and the controversy there was. I think that really hurt him, especially in Orlando. A lot of people were mad at him, trying to attack Mickey Mouse. Yeah, and that helped. That helped him on the national polls, though. So it. It's a toss-up. Yeah. Heard, heard him in Florida, helped him nationally because he was going against a company trying to do gay stuff in schools. So John is much more informed on the Israel-Palestine conflict than I am. Not that I'm not informed, but I just I don't read up on it every 10 minutes. There's an update. <laughs> but so what's today is November 2nd, 2023. Today in, is November 2nd. The initial attack was how long ago at this point? It was October 7th. Okay, so almost a month uh, since the initial attack. Um, What's the update for this week? Uh, This week, Israel moved into Palestine. They have ground forces on the ground. They cut um, north to south, or not north-south. They cut east to west in the middle and north to south along the western coast. They have not entered Gaza City proper yet as Reporting, I've seen they haven't entered Gaza City proper yet. 
Right now, they're clearing out the outskirts, getting ready to go into Gaza City uh, to get the house-to-house fighting, which is going to be not not good for them. I think they've reported they've reported thirteen casualties so far. That number is probably way higher. Get judging on how fighting like this has gone in the past. Uh, they're continuing airstrikes. Uh, big airstrike that happened. I think two days ago now was against. Uh, let me find the name of the city. I think Warner Brothers is going to sponsor some of these Palestinian uh, movies that are coming out. The propaganda. It's nice. Have you all seen this guy who wears like all the hats? I mean, he's a doctor one minute, he's a refugee the next. Yeah, Mr. He's a radiologist. Mr. Rafa, is that his name? Yeah. Rafa. Rafa. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, I've seen at this point at least a dozen videos from Palestine. You know, people they they show videos of just the carnage, the, you know, destruction of buildings. I don't, honestly, I don't know what to think cuz some of it looks, I mean, it looks like a film to be honest. Well, uh, the Palestinians are good at propaganda. A lot of it is real. We have to know war is bloody. There are going to be civilian casualties. Um, It's in Hamas's self-interest to exacerbate those casualties and put them on camera because they know that the world turns against Israel whenever they cause civilian casualties, which it happens to most countries. Western sensibilities think in war people don't die for some reason. It's how we've been raised in the West. We think war happens between soldiers. There's no, nothing else happening. We've never had a real war on Ameri- on the American continent, at least in the last hundred years. Yeah. Nothing We're predisposed here. to it. I mean, like you said, we haven't, we have not, most of us have not experienced firsthand, you know, bloodshed in that sense, it's such, especially at such a large scale. So to see videos, and maybe that's why I have the opinion that I have, and I'm not trying to discredit anyone from, you know, anyone's death or, you know, loss of their home, their livelihood. It's, it's mainly because some of the videos just seem kind of odd. And, you know, at this point we're kind of numb as Americans to death and destruction. Yeah. Seeing videos from war in the Middle East over the last 20 years, this is normal for us. Especially with Ukraine, because Ukraine is now, this is the first war where we actually have high death, like phone recordings of yeah. war and on the scale the war in gaza on a uh, size of military scale israel called up almost three or over three hundred thousand reservists to fight in this war when russia started the war against ukraine they had amassed two hundred thousand people on the border with ukraine so the scale in gaza right now is comparable to the scale of the initial attack in ukraine on a place the size of Philadelphia. It's yeah. a small area, a lot of bombs, a lot of people. It's going to be really bloody, and it's going to be horrible. Especially since uh, Hamas has, I mean, thousands. I don't know. I mean, there's tunnels under Gaza. I don't know what to the extent, how bad it is. I mean, they've been building these tunnels for decades now. So yeah, Since two, uh, 2006, when... Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip. They've had complete free reign to build all the tunnel systems they've wanted. 
most of the construction equipment they bring into Gaza goes to building their tunnel systems. So uh, Israel's blockade of Gaza has been dependent on if Hamas attacks Israel. So Hamas can allow, can stop attacking Israel, allow supplies to come in, and then use that supplies for whatever they need to, and then start attacking Israel again. And the civilians will suffer, but since Hamas can build their tunnels and they can stockpile their equipment, it doesn't matter to Hamas. It's, Hamas's main goal is to kill as many Jews as possible and to destroy the uh, state of Israel. They've said this in their declarations. They don't want a two-state solution. They don't just want an independent state. They want Israel destroyed and all Jews killed. Yeah. And I'm not trying to take a side here, but why do you think, especially our generation, I'd like to know your opinion on why people are so quick to side with the Palestinian nation and specifically Hamas. Because I've, I mean, I've seen people who were opposed to what Hamas is doing and saying, you know, they're against terrorism in, in all forms. But I've also had people who, you know, have no connections to the Palestinian state who agree with what Hamas is doing. And I'd like to know why do you think, especially our generation, has taken some of those viewpoints? Well, when we were going through school, school was filled with neo-Marxist and critical theory ide- ideology. Critical theory is basically just there's an oppressed and an oppressor and whatever you have to do to get rid of your oppressor is okay. So putting that on Israel, they say the Jews are the oppressor, and the Palestinians are the oppressed. So whatever the Palestinians need to do to stop being oppressed is okay. That goes up to violence, that goes up to killing civilians. It's all okay if it's the oppressor versus the oppressed, or, or the oppressed versus the oppressor. But if the oppressor retaliates at all, it's unacceptable. If the oppressor kills one civilian, it's the worst thing ever. If the if the oppressed kills a thousand civilians, it's okay. And, uh, it's, it's just the way that we came up through school learning about oppressed and oppressors. Um, the same ideology goes to uh, BLM activism, uh, goes to gender theory. All of it is oppressed versus oppressor and having the oppressed overtake the oppressor by any means necessary. So no context, just it's always just the oppressor versus the oppressed. Yeah, almost entirely, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, in other news, any other updates on the Israel and Hamas? Palestinian conflict, never a good time. A few days ago, we had the Houthis in Yemen declare war on Israel, which is the first outside force that directly declared war on them. The Houthis are in Yemen. Uh, Yemen has been going through a civil war since, I think, 2011. Uh, the, the Houthis, this might end up being a good thing in the long run for Israel because the Houthis are against the Saudis, and the Saudis have been condemning Israel for their actions in Gaza. But... <coughs> but if the Israelis and the Saudis can join forces on trying to defeat the Houthis, that could, that could be a good thing for both sides. World War Three might be the best option. I mean, <laughs> well, uh, um, no, I, I mean, okay. Simple estimation right off the bat. How likely are we going to go 
into World War III in the next five years, five to ten. Or how long until we go into World War III is an inevitable and give a time frame. I recently read an article that changed my mind on World War III. I used to think it was 100%, but he broke down the logistics change chains that all these mil- all these Middle Eastern militaries have. None of them can fight a legitimate war outside of their borders. So it's not going to happen. The worst that would happen is Israel and Iran lobbing missiles at each other every few months. And that's not the worst thing in the world that happens anyway. So, and that's what's so unfortunate is that, you know, everybody wants this bloodshed to end, but it's persisted throughout almost its inception. I mean, there's no, this is the best case scenario looking at it from an outside perspective, especially geopolitically, because if it were to advance any farther and World War Three were to break out because other, you know, foreign factions were to get involved because they have some interest in protecting, you know, their, that state, I mean, there'd be so much more bloodshed in the in the long run. But some people want World War Three. you know, they want to protect either side, you know, by whatever means necessary. Yeah, our interest is to stay out of World War Three, stay out of foreign wars entirely. Our main goal in the Middle East right now should be to pull out American troops entirely, fund Israel to the point where it doesn't need our funding in the future, and go back to America and fix stay, it. Stay out of their stay out of their problems. Fix America, huh? Yeah. Fix our border, fix fix the problems we have here. The only threat to World War Three I see is if China attacks Taiwan. And that if that's going to happen, it has to happen in the next 10 years because of China's demographics. China has a rapidly aging population because of their one-child policy in the past, and they they can't fund an army for long, or they can't field an army for long because they don't have enough young people. Russia has There's the also a looming threat of a housing crisis. Yeah, we had basically the 2008 housing crisis on steroids happened in China over the last few years. So But the bubble has not popped yet. Not yet. It's And what's interesting is, you know, in the United States that was primarily a you know, housing crisis, not a commercial development and housing crisis. So they have to worry about all the these buildings who Can you explain to me again um what is happening in China in relation to that housing crisis? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit informed, but maybe not entirely enough to speak on it. So there is a company called Evergrande that does development projects in China. They said, we're going to build new cities out here. Give us your money, invest. So old people in China that are getting to retirement age, they put their retirement funding into, into Evergrande. So they're going to build... These industrial fields are going to build these houses. They're going to do it. When Evergrande built these things, no one moved in because there's no people in China to take that to take that property. So the company didn't make any of the money back. Right now, there's still people investing, but there's no money going back to the people that are investing. And eventually, that's going to pop and basically destroy the Chinese economy. So similar to the subprime mortgage crisis. Yeah, similar to that, yeah. Except the investors were the ones that were hit hard in that sense. Now these are citizens that are being 
Yeah, it hard. It's uh, the, most, the, mostly, the citizens are the investors. Mostly individual investors, uh, I think. Last I read, it was mostly individual investors, and uh, these companies are also backed by the government because to have a yeah. company in China, you have to be uh, backed by the CCP. Well, they have a centralized economic system, so the government and the economy are not separate, like in the United States. Kind of, although not. you can argue, it's, <laughs> yeah, China, That's China's different. weird. Yeah. Uh, ever since China um, modernized, kind they kind of privatized a bunch of their industry. N- not entirely, though. So there are private companies, but they have to have uh, a CCP office, and they have to be backed by the CCP. You know anything going on in Owensboro, Kentucky? Peacock and Pearls is opening a new location. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's the top um, page of Owensboro Times. Yeah. So, yeah, Pretty no. dull day here in here in Owensboro. Nothing much going on. Slow news. Slow news day. Overall. Slow news week, really. So, yeah, slow it's news. It's a bad time to start a podcast. Only, only news is happening in Israel, and it's going slow, and we aren't getting a lot of news out of it. Uh yeah, they're kind of late in uh, reporting things. Obviously, the time difference plays a big role. Well, there's the time difference and secrecy of doing a military operation. They're going to come out and tell you everything they're doing right away. I wish they would. That would. I'd like to stay informed. Well, we America did that in uh, the first Iraq War. We had people on the ground embedded with uh, military units that were going on the offensive, and the Iraqis could pull up CNN and see where American soldiers were and attack them. Going off that. That's nice. That's good. So that we learned not to not to do that. You know, we've we've talked about this before. You know, actually, we've talked about it a lot. Just you know, personally, but you know, the people listening to this podcast might be interested. What is your solution in the Middle East in regards to Americans' uh, influence and action in the Middle East? Because it's a you know it's a hard topic you know a lot of people yeah would say let's just leave but we know the issues that would arise if we just left the Middle East completely and had no involvement yeah there's no there's no real solution to the Middle East you either have to leave or go in full force and change the societies there so you either topple the society or you leave and then be susceptible to terrorism yeah leave and then defend your borders uh, strongly people hate us there. Like that's, I know people say that we, you know, we're involved there and they think that we're helping these people. Most of these people that live in the Middle East, especially, well, we're not in Afghanistan anymore, but just abroad, you know, the the entire. Entirely the Kurds like us. The Kurds do like us. But most people hate the Americans. Yeah, a lot. A Honestly, lot of, for good reason, too. Yeah, we went and bombed their country for 20 years. <laughs> it's reasonable to hate that's us. That's a breeding ground for terrorism. Yeah, so but a lot of people just assume that terrorism just comes out of nowhere. Like there's just this deep hatred. But we've caused a lot of that hatred. No, well, the British are the reasons. <laughs> the British and Iran are the one. reason for <laughs> terrorism starting and then we decided to get involved and messed everything up. Yeah. Well, the Saudis, well, Al Qaeda hated us because they thought our interests were in oil in Iraq and not actually helping the nation. They are. <laughs> Which is true, so hard to argue that. Trump, Trump came out uh, when he was doing a arms deal with Saudi Arabia. He said, we're going to give them a lot of guns, they're going to give us cheap oil. He said the quiet part out loud, 
That's why people like Trump. He's he does things like that where he just says what's going on. Um, you know, this is a political podcast, and like the name suggests, this is insanity because the United States is full of insanity, especially its news and what's covered. Politics in general is insane, but. Who do you think is going to win the 2024 presidential election? Right now, the polls show Trump. Trump, okay. Right now, the polls, most recent poll from Harris X has Biden at 38% and Trump at 44 Trump is winning five of seven swing states. Right now, it's looking like Trump wins. Oh, Hopefully, that sticks. <laughs> you made a comment, uh, I believe yesterday, in which you said that if... Th- if the media, specifically Twitter, which is now owned by Elon Musk, it's it's called X, they've shown, and Elon Musk has shown, that they're accepting of all freedoms of speech. He's a full freedom of speech supporter. Therefore, you made a comment that said if they allow Trump on Twitter and it becomes a meme war, that he's going to win the 2024 presidential election as seen in 2020. Yes, the the meme 2016, war. 2016, sorry. Meme war 2016 won Trump the election. If there's another meme war for 2024, Trump wins again. That that's that's how it happens, especially with young people. Young people are on social media. Young people see the memes. Young people see Biden falling down over and over. Young people see Bootgate that's going to lose uh DeSantis the campaign. And people laugh, laugh at those people. And then they see Trump who goes along with the joke. Trump who's funny and people like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, with Bootgate and Biden, like they do all these things that, you know, people judge them for and get upset at them for, but they never, they don't play along with the joke. You know, Trump embodies this character that he fully accepts and, you know, renounces this great thing and people respect him for that yeah uh, a great great quote from trump so he was getting onto a stage during uh during a rally he looks up the light he covers his face like covers his face he goes ah the light's making me orange <laughs> i mean he played along with the orange joke he's, he's a ridiculous along character. With the funny hair joke you know in republican debates you know in 2016 he would just call people's wives ugly. Yeah. He'd be like, she's a dog. I, why would you vote for this guy? He's disgusting. Look at his wife. He told, he Who's, told. Uh, I mean, how many people can say that and then end up winning the election? Only Trump. Yeah, only him. Told Ted Cruz his dad killed JFK. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you think it's Trump. You think Trump's winning. If they don't cheat, Trump wins. Okay, yeah. If the election does not get stolen again, it's not, I'm not it's, saying it's it was Trump. stolen. I'm <laughs> saying they cheated. No. Yeah, full disclaimer, we do not we do not have an opinion on whether it was stolen or not. The ghost of it Chavez did not change the polls. Did not change the voting machines. The media lied to people and that messed up the election. Yeah. I'm going to mail in my ballot if it's allowed. Just for the joke. I don't think it's allowed in Kentucky, is it? I don't know. I think you have to request it. I'll request it. I'm sure they'll give it to me. <laughs> Not able-bodied. Um, yes. So I, I think Trump is probably going to win. It's interesting how it switched. You know, in, in the 2020 election, everybody was like, oh, God. You know, Biden was the lesser of two evils. 
And now it's completely switched. Now we've lived under Bidenomics for three years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can talk about the inflation rate. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Have you gone to the grocery store? Yes. You buy six items and it's $300. Yeah, that's a lot. I bought, I bought one, th- one roll of sausage today and it cost me 15 bucks. Yeah. At- sausage and Biden economics. What, what kind of sausage did you get? Uh, it was just like country sausage or something. It was some, bra- some breakfast sausage. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Meat's expensive. Boxed items, everything is expensive. Gas, gas is crazy. Not as crazy. Remember, no ga- under which Obama, it was like five dollars at one point, but that was during the recession too. Yeah. So it's kind of unfair. Well, gas was like a dollar under Trump, and now it's going on three. Maybe a dollar fifty under Trump. Now it's going on three dollars. It was like ninety-seven cents at one point under Trump. Was it? it was. I don't think it was like ninety. It, it, it was ninety-nine cents. I'm pretty sure, or maybe a dollar and like two cents. I could be completely wrong. Yeah, don't that, listen to anything I, I say. <laughs> Lowest I remember was one twenty. Yeah. Um. Just another disclaimer: We're both political science majors, and both have aspirations to go to law school. Um, but in, at the same token, we are not 100% informed on everything that we talk about. This is merely just for fun. However, most of the things we do say are true, so <laughs> keep that in mind. Everything we say is true, except may, if it's not true, it's not If it's fault. wrong, yeah. If the statistics are wrong, we're wrong. But if everything else we say is right, so. Well, um, I think that wraps up the first podcast. Thank you all for listening. Um, look out for next week's podcast. We're th- planning on having a guest speaker. Um, it'll probably Dr. James Cousins. If not, um, don't quote me on that. Um, here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a general come and speak. We're going to interview him, General Ben Hodges, former commander of the Army in Europe. And uh, we will probably be talking about the war in Ukraine and possibly other foreign policy issues. So thank you all for listening and have a great day.